Since ancient times, women have been the epicenter of their villages and communities around the world, and as such, have been gathering in council to discuss topics relevant to them. Here, we are masterminding and exploring these topics in a modern way with entrepreneurs, speakers, coaches, and just overall good eggs, pun intended. This is The Council. Today's guest is very special because I also had her as my own coach and mentor during my coach certification process. Uh, her name is Katie DePaula. She is an author, speaker, entrepreneur, and the founder of Inner Glow Circle, a company dedicated to helping women become professional certified life coaches and build profitable personal brands. This business has grown into a globally recognized professional training and certification program with nearly 600 students. Through Inner Glow Circle, Katie built the first all women, all online, ICF accredited coach training course, helping thousands of women start businesses of their own. If I could clap for that right now, I would. <laughs> In her best-selling book, which I've read and is really excellent, At Least You Look Good, Learning to Glow Through What You Go Through, Katie shares her most vulnerable and often funny reflections of how to deal with the hardest parts of life and her best advice for people who want to, quote unquote, glow through what they go through. Katie is a fierce mental health advocate who built her business amidst challenging times, growing from a self-funded startup to a million dollar business. She has been featured in Time, Entrepreneur, and Forbes, as well as over 50 podcasts. She also serves on the board of Bo's Effort, a foundation in memory of her late brother, Bo. Katie and I really dove into the topic of what it means to look good. And we don't just mean on the outside, but how does looking good support us in moving forward? Or how do our perceptions of how other people are doing make, a, make judgments of them in their lives and what they are or are not going through? Um, so it's a lot about perspective today. And I really hope you enjoy. She is qualified to say the least, but really just a warm person. She has a wealth of knowledge. She does have some funny reflections and just a very relatable um, type of personality. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. So I'm super pumped to have you here. Um, I feel like I've identified with your story since getting to know you at, uh, through Inner Glow Circle, your you know coaching certification business and program. Um, and you know, a, a DC girl, so a girl after my own heart as well. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm really excited about today because I think this is a really important topic that, um, it's funny looking good is something like a topic. It sounds kind of like superficial, like what are we really going to dive into today? Um, and I think a lot of it, you know, as you talked about in your book, at least you look good is, is much more than just the surface level looking good, but feeling good. Um, and how that's really showing up in the way that we move through our lives. Um, yeah. so I'd love to know, maybe it would be good for everyone to hear a little bit just about your book, um, and this overall topic and how it's, it's kind of come to fruition and important to you in your life. Yeah. So my book is called At Least You Look Good, Learning to Glow Through What You Go Through. And, um, you know, my journey has been very much about figuring out how to be who I want to be in the world while facing the challenges of life. And, you know, I think that we all have challenges that we can look at and say, okay, that can slow me down or that can give me a new perspective. And so, you know, back to back, I lost my youngest brother to an accidental overdose. I had just before that been diagnosed with chronic neurological Lyme disease. They told me that I had brain damage from the way the Lyme was attacking my full body. And then I went through a really, really bad breakup with someone that I was engaged to. And this all happened between 2014 and 2015. And so it's interesting, you know, now it's been six years since Bo died. I'll use that as the marker because that's really kind of the, the pinnacle of everything for me. And, um, you know, th throughout 
the past six years, I've been learning how to find equilibrium, to heal, to keep going and to keep glowing as we talk about and as we talk about in the book. And so, you know, I think it's just, it's been such a journey and, um, you know, obviously you and I share a lot of things in common, but we share a lot of things with a lot of women and a lot of people like chronic illness is something chronic pain, you know, is something that so many people experience. And like now with COVID health has a whole new meaning, um, loss, you know, like I lost my brother, you have been talking about the loss of a pet and it's a different kind of grief, but like every kind of grief is a different kind of grief, right? So it doesn't really matter like what you're grieving. Grief is grief. And, you know, we'll talk about this more, but for me, the book, at least you look good is a exploration. It's, it's a memoir and it's self-help, but it's also an exploration of this idea as women you know, what role does looking good play in our lives? Is it important? Is it not important? Is it surface or is it deep? Does it help create our identities? And so I wrestle with a lot of those questions in the book as I'm dealing with my own healing process and having people say things to me like, you know, you don't look sick or you don't look like your brother just died or you don't look like you just went through a breakup. And I was thinking the whole time, well, what do those things look like? Mm -hmm. So it's really an exploration of that. Mm. There's so much in everything you just said that I want to respond to. And I'm like, let's let me break it of- down. <laughs> yeah, there's so much. Um, you know, I, I do think what kept coming up as you were saying that is that, you know, when people talk about like, you never know what people are going to. So be kind to one another. And yeah. that concept is like, you know, surface level, let's say you're exchanging emails with, you know, a a coworker and they're particularly sassy that day, it comes off that way. And it's, again, it's that notion of like being kind because you don't really know what people are going through. But I think on the topic of like looking good, there is kind of this added layer of like, well, if you look good, you must feel fine, you know? And I think in today's world, we do acknowledge a lot more mental health and anxiety, depression. Like you may not outwardly look like you're struggling but you absolutely may be internally and I and I think like you know I think maybe it could also be helpful to defining like looking good and how that was showing up for you versus like that feeling good and how that was working for you yeah so there's a specific scene in the book I don't want to like ruin it for you guys because I want you to go read it but Um, there's a specific scene in the book where I walk into my psychiatrist's office and she had been testing all these different medications on me. And like, I really felt like a lab rat, like, cause nothing was working. I wasn't feeling good. I wasn't feeling better. If anything, I was feeling worse. And I walked in And I remember, it's so funny that I'm saying this and that I'm wearing what I'm wearing because I was actually wearing these like hot red (laughs) leggings like that exact day. And they're, you can't tell right now, but they're very like high-waisted. And so I was wearing these like high-waisted, you know, fire engine red leggings and like a white little crop top. And I had just gotten a spray tan and I had gotten my lashes done, like lash extensions. And, you know, my hair had been recently colored and like, I just was doing the normal maintenance things for me, right? Like to me, that was just, and every person's different, but for me, that was just like maintenance at the time. That was my routine. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was feeling so, so horrible, like worse than I ever had. And I knew it was in large part because of these medications, but also I just in general wasn't feeling great, which was why she was trying these medications. Mm -hmm. And I walk into her office and she looks at me and she's like, hi, it's so good to see you. How are you? And I was like, I I feel terrible. Mm -hmm. And she said, well, you look really good. Mm -hmm. And that was the moment where I had been playing with the title, at least you look good, because it was something 
that people were saying a lot to me. I had heard people say variations of this to my mom, you know, around her losing her son. And um, I had heard friends tell a lot of stories about, you know, going through a breakup and losing 20 pounds and their grandma saying, you look so great, you know, well, at least you look good or, and it's like, well, yeah, okay. Like, I'm not going to say like, don't say it to each other. Right. And I'm not going to say, I don't want you to tell me that I look good. Like I can appreciate a compliment. However, Mm -hmm. we can't have that be the bearing of how we measure each other. And it certainly can't be the, the, you know, how we measure ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so I really struggled with this whole thing of like, am I allowed to look good, even though I feel like shit. Mm -hmm. And if I feel like shit, but, and I kind of want people to know, like, I want the people around me to know that things aren't perfect. I want the people around me. I wasn't like trying to keep up appearances so that nobody would know what was going on with me. Like I was very public about what I was going through. We were very public about my brother's passing. We, you know, started a, a foundation in his honor and we were hosting these big events and, but it was like the even the people close to me would forget what I had on my plate because of how I looked, not that I'm like the, you know, most attractive person in the world by any means, or that you can even measure that, but because I prioritize putting myself together in a way that worked for me. Right. And so it's just a really, really interesting reflection. It's an interesting thing to talk about. I've gone to book clubs around my book and and we've had long discussions with women about this exact topic. Like, mm-hmm. you know, do, does looking good cover it, cover up what we're going through? Mm-hmm. And how do we, if we want to look a certain way, still look the way that we want to, but also not use it as a way to cover up what's real. Mm, yeah, oh my gosh. I resonate so much with what you're saying because I I think in part of the looking good for me, like I do do my maintenance things, right? I'll get my nails done. I'll do my hair and makeup. I'll dress up. Like those sorts of things are fun. Um, but it's interesting both when I too was experiencing Lyme and just for like your context. So um, gosh, this was probably four or five years ago at this point, maybe four years ago, um, I was diagnosed with Lyme disease. And it was, but I had, it was, it was really lucky that I was diagnosed when I was, because I was actually getting tested for my allergies. And I like to think this was a little bit of divine intervention. And I went and they happened to be like, how long have you had that bullseye on your leg? And I'm like, what? (laughs) And so they put me on an antibiotic, et cetera. And then I, I tested, I experienced the symptoms and that's part of why I went to go see the allergist because I was like, something's, something's going on here. Um, so I got really lucky and that they tested for it. However, I actually experienced symptoms, even despite getting a negative, um, test back after the fact for the next two and a half years, I had severe chronic pain. Like I used to, I was training for a marathon and I couldn't even like overnight. It almost felt like within a couple of weeks, I was unable to run even a mile without extreme pain. I, every time I was sitting down, I was a lot of the symptoms you talked about, like the candida, the. Um, like there was also like the lactose intolerance, there's the gluten, like the mm-hmm. sensitivity, all of these things, the anxiety, like I was experiencing it all. And I went down the path of two years. Similarly, every other day I'm in a doctor's office. I've seen over like 20 doctors for this thing, like really in that and all of them saying, there's nothing wrong with you, you know, and, and you look fine. And I was dating someone too, who had a similar kind of my friends and my boyfriend at the time had a similar perception of, well, you, sure. you seem fine, you know, like you're still going out on the weekends, you know, or you're still getting dressed up and, you know, but during the week I could barely get through the work week. Cause I was in so much pain, um, let alone yeah. lifestyle, how it changes, right. You experience loss from like, I can't do and operate the way that I have been in my life. So yeah, for me, it was like, not even just the like appearance, but also like how I'm coming off. And, and then it's like, um, you said something in the book that I loved that was about like, I'm, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired and I'm sick and tired about talking about being sick and tired. 
And Mm -hmm. I think this is where there is a little bit of a fine line with this looking good because, um, and maybe in thinking about it in terms of grief is a good way too, because for example, like when I lost my dog Nala over the summer, um, the loss, like, albeit painful and surprising, it was still like, there was a lot of, you know, I didn't want to sit in the grief so, so heavily. And sometimes I felt guilty about like how I may be coming off on social media, for example, and like people saying, mm-hmm. oh, well, you just lost your dog and you're on this girl's trip across the country. So there's like, it's all so hard. We can make on each other um, about that. That's outside of even just like appearance, but like, how is your, you know, do you have to seem like, do you have to look like you're going through hell to communicate to others that you may be having a hard time? You know, I'd be right. curious how that showed up for you well, in that grief state. I think like a really interesting subset of this conversation is around identity. Mm-hmm. And you like, you were just talking about essentially like, you know, we start to identify with whatever's going on in our lives right or we identify like maybe like your identity is like very built on who you were in high school Mm -hmm. right or maybe your identity is really built on like your family Mm -hmm. and like who your family is in the world or who you are in your family or who you're not in your family right it could go like kind of positive or negative Mm -hmm. um or maybe your identity is really heavily built on your work and your career, right? Mm-hmm. And for me, like, I was always just like very type A, like, you know, very kind of anxious, like stressed out, like overachiever type person. Mm-hmm. That didn't really change or go away. But like, it got funky when I got sick, because I was still like all of those things, but then I couldn't do a lot of those things. And I really became at odds with myself, right? And so there's just a lot of different examples here, right? Like pregnancy, like a lot of women who read my book will relate to it from that lens of like being pregnant or, you know, having kids and like, that's not an illness, but it comes with other challenges and it changes your body and it changes how you feel. Like one of my, my friends, I remember her saying like, when she got pregnant, she had a really rough pregnancy. And she's like, I just kept feeling like, this is how you must've felt for like years, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's just, and then we started to build these identities. Mm -hmm. So for me, like I, one of my biggest challenges was that I started to really build this identity around being sick. And I started to really build this identity around um, having, you know, my, like having lost my brother and have, you know, having that in my life. And I started to really build this identity around like, um, I have dysfunctional relationships. Mm. And so it's interesting because, you know, uh, this September marked, um, oh my gosh, uh, how many years, three years, four years of being Lyme free. I am going to get, I'm getting married in November, mm-hmm. um, of this year. My last engagement ended in November of 2015, you know, and I have a lot of like really low lows, which I'm very, very transparent about in my book, but it's so interesting. Like one thing I've really been going through lately, I would say over like the past six months is like, I feel that my identity is shifting a lot. And I'm landing into this next version of who I am. And, you know, I'm like, it's a different person than this person, but this person is also me. Mm -hmm. And so I guess the point of this is like, I just feel that we're always growing and changing so much or that we have the opportunity to, we kind of get to choose it or not, right? Like you get to either play or not. You don't have to be growing and changing and evolving who you are, but you have the opportunity to. So whatever your identity is right now, whether you identify as being single or being sick or having financial challenges, or, you know, maybe things are really great right now, but you worry about losing the things that you have. I just think it's so important for all of us to know that we can 
always reinvent ourselves. Mm -hmm. We can always like sort of be reborn. I talk about like rebirth a lot in the book and that it's up to us. Like we actually have the control to be able to do those things. Mm -hmm. I, I do. I love what you're saying because it reminds me of one of the things in the book that resonated with me was you, I think it was something along the lines where you asked like, why am I still struggling? And that voice came in and was like, because I decided I haven't decided to, to heal. Yeah. And, you haven't decided yet. Yeah. And that was, you know, it was for me, I too had a bit of a miraculous, um, healing in a way from it. Like it's seen, like on, on, it doesn't add up on paper. Um, mm -hmm. but kind of pursuing that, well, I'm not going to take no for an answer in this healing process. And so when you said that it really was, I know for me, it was that decision, but I'm curious how many people are out there where it's like, we think that we're, we're definitely experiencing this identity and this reality. Maybe it is like a chronic illness, for example, where it's kind of like, well, how am I creating that for myself? Right. This is something that we're experiencing for whatever reason. However, that decision of, okay, am I really going to not take no for an answer or, or what can I do to, you know, do the, to the best of my ability, really heal myself and make that decision. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, like for you, what was, you know, within that identity, like, what were you letting go of in order to like, actually, you know, quote unquote, make that decision? Yeah. Well, so you're talking about like really in the very beginning of the book, and then I circle back to it, but like in the very beginning of the book, I, am sitting in my parents' driveway, it's pouring rain. And I have this like breakdown moment where I like, I'm like talking to God or the universe or whatever, something beyond myself and saying like, how am I still sick? How has this been going on for years? Like, what did I do right in yeah. a past life or in this life that like, I have to, you know, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm suffering at this level. And I like truly was suffering. Like it was very, very hard to get through a day. You know, I was at the point where I was like praying that God would like take me in my sleep. Like if I'm not meant to be on this planet, like just take me away. And like, that's so sad and horrible and, and um, dark to like kind of say, but you know, I think we go through periods where we're like, I don't understand this suffering or I don't understand the purpose of my life or I don't understand why this challenge is here or whatever. And I'm not saying there's like answers to all of those questions. I don't know if there are, but you know, what, what I found within myself was that I was like racking my brain in this moment, like why, 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 why? And then, you know, you're right. I had this, like, I heard this like voice or had this knowing or like, mm -hmm. you know, this like movie scene where it was like, you haven't decided yet. Mm -hmm. Like you haven't decided something in me or around me responded and mm -hmm. said like you haven't decided mm -hmm. that you're actually going to live your life the way that you you wanted to like there's this part of you that's like okay with the struggle mm -hmm. and I think you know a really great example that um I I use a lot just because it's very visual is and and, and you kind of easy to understand is like on like weight loss journeys a lot of times what experts will talk about is how like people identify so much with their weight mm -hmm. that they struggle to lose weight because they identify as, as being the size that they are. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, sometimes like apply that to anything, right? Like if, if your weight is not a struggle for you, or if that's not something that you, um, you know, th that connects to you, like there's something else, right? Like we, we have these ideas, like I am a blank person, mm -hmm. you know, or I deserve this, or I don't deserve this. And we just kind of have those beliefs playing in our head. And for me, like, I'm sick, mm -hmm. like I'm sick was like what I lived by. Mm -hmm. And it, it was like this curse, but then it also became like my gospel. Like it was like my thing. Mm -hmm. And it was like easy to say, you know, I got used to saying, even though I, I hated it, you know, I'm sorry, I can't come. I'm not feeling well today. Like, oh, sorry, mom, I'm late again because I wasn't feeling well this morning. Like it was my excuse for everything. Mm -hmm. It was, it was my truth, but then it was also my identity. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And so in the car, in that moment, what I realized was like, I don't want this to be my identity anymore. And I'm actually willing and ready to give up all those little pieces of like things that like, um, I, I was so automatically just identifying with, like I had to almost physically unwind them and separate them out. Like, I don't like, this isn't my thing anymore. Like if I'm late, it's just, it can just be because I'm bad at being on time or, (laughs) you know, if I don't feel like doing something, it can be for another reason. Like I don't need this sick thing in my life. Mm -hmm. And so it opened up my mind to the possibility that healing was an option for me Mm. and that I didn't have to, I had had 30 doctors tell me you're never going to get better. So when people do that, like, you know, doctors are like, God in human form. I'm like putting that in quotations if you're listening, like, cause that's not really what I believe, but I think that's what society teaches us that like doctors have all the answers. Mm-hmm. So when they're telling you something that feels like a death sentence or something of that nature, of course, you're going to believe them. And then you're going to make that part of your identity. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be like, you get to choose your own path. It doesn't matter if 30 doctors tell you you're never going to heal. Maybe if you, if you believe that healing is a possibility, maybe you can find that 31st doctor who says, actually, I have a cure. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's what happened to me. But if I, if I had stopped and I had kept identifying as being a sick person, and I had kept believing all these doctors, then I wouldn't have gone to look for the 31st doctor. So like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's so much like the law of attraction as it's like the law of like openness. Like if you're open Mm -hmm. and you consider other possibilities, then I think that they, it's like a higher probability that they're going to float into your orbit. If you're like, no, I'm sick. That's the end of it. Everyone says that, you know, then that's just how it's going to be. Mm-hmm. That is such a good point because I think that there, there's a part of this too, that it's like, yeah, the law of attraction, law of openness, and just being able to like receive and pursue another route. And you're right. Like there's a lot of like authority figures that we just give our power away to. Right. And I totally identify when it comes to like, you know, illness. Like I was told you have fibromyalgia and was put on something also almost um, received like, serotonin syndrome was like very much like a very mm-hmm. close reality based on um, a prescription I was given that was completely wrong. And it, that's what kind of woke me up and be like, Jenna, you've really got to be responsible here. And I too had a choice point of, okay, this illness is no longer going to define me. And for me, my, my experience, what I was feeling, whether it was like diagnosed or not, for me, it was my own delay tactic from doing the things I really wanted to do. You know, I was like, well, let me stay in this job I hate where I have extra, all this extra fluff time, even though I feel unfulfilled because, you know, I need to go to the doctor's office every, you know, every other day. Right. And so, you know, I think like, there's also a layer of this that I'm hearing, like kind of like segues into like the, like glowing through what you go through and having yeah. a choice through of like, okay, this is my current reality, but can I approach this with like seeing the light at the end of the tunnel? And like really being dedicated to that versus all of these other, like, I don't know. I feel like all of these other things that can take that reality away from us and make it like, no, 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 that's not there. That's an illusion. That's not possible. Um, and so I'm curious for you, like when you decided to make that decision, I mean, I've read your book, so I know a little bit, but, but when you, when you decided to make that decision, um, like how did things start to just really shift or fall into place for you? Like, what was the big, what was the, what kept you also like in that decision? I think I had to um, become like a warrior for what I actually wanted. Mm. So like, I'm just trying to think of how to explain this to people so they can like follow along for themselves. But, you know, for me, like I would think about the things that I wanted. So like, I wanted to get married, you know, I wanted to have a family. Okay. But then I would envision myself having kids and like being sick and like then not being able to be a good mom. And like, that would really like upset me when I, I'm like that, like I, I can't get behind that reality fully. Right. Or like to find a 
boyfriend, I needed to like go on dates. And like, I didn't feel like going on dates because I didn't feel good. I didn't want to do anything that wasn't like necessary. Mm. And, you know, and so I like started to like realize that everything I wanted required me to be healthy or healthier. Mm-hmm. And so like that became like the central thing, right? So, so if health is not your thing, then maybe it's like money, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe you're like, I really want to buy a house. And like, I really want to like send my kids to private school. And I really want to be able to go on more trips. And it's like, yeah, but like, we don't have the money. Like, yeah, but we don't have the money. Yeah, we don't have the money. Well, then like the money becomes the thing, right? Like, not that you like become obsessed with money, but like you, you start to structure your life in a new way where you have a priority and a focus on finances Mm -hmm. and you start to shift how you relate to finances. And maybe you get like a financial advisor. And if that one's not helpful, you get another one. If that one's like, you keep going until you find the solutions to your problems. Mm -hmm. But like, we can't find a solution to our problem until we know what problem we're trying to solve. Mm -hmm. And so for me, like, working around the problem, like trying to date while I didn't feel good or, you know, trying to like find peace around losing my brother when like, I couldn't get out of bed. Like it just was so calm. It was like such compounded grief and how I felt became the central thing that I needed to structure my life around. Mm. And so that became like, you know, in coach training, as you know, we talk about like project plans and like goals and like not just having a goal but creating a very very detailed structured plan to get there and that became my you know my goal and I built out a a detailed structured plan Mm. and I'm like there's just no way like there's no way that there's no reality that exists where someone can cure me like I just don't believe it like Mm. if people like beat cancer why could I not beat Lyme disease like it just didn't make sense to me and like I started to call BS on a lot of, yeah, authority figures. Mm -hmm. But I think we have to, we all have to do that in some way, Mm -hmm. whether it's like, oh, well, my parents always said that we would always have money problems. Like, well then like, like you just get to say, you know what? Um, There's a, a, somebody in our, um, in, in the IGC community posted something the other day, like just like a meme, like reposted a meme on, Instagram, but it said, I screenshotted it. I thought it was so good. It was like, it ran in my family until it ran into me. Mm. Wow. And it's, it's like, you know, I like, you obviously get it, but like, for those who, who don't like, we get to break up the patterns in our families. Like Mm -hmm. it's a pattern until it's not a pattern. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And like, you don't have to be a magician or like God to solve, to break it up. Like you just have to start. Sometimes it's as simple as start doing the opposite of, Mm -hmm. right? Like if the things you saw growing up were like spending and not saving, then like you start saving money. And you know, if you never, if your parents never got any advice around money or, you know, if they didn't take care of their health, but then they struggled with their health, like then you get to like start taking care of your health. Like you get to actually do these things differently. And, you know, I think whether it's your family or friends or like job influences, like you were giving a great example, Jenna, like so many people, and this is like the work that you and I both do, but like so many people find themselves in jobs that they hate and they just kind of are like, well, that's how it is says who that's how it is Mm -hmm. that's not how it is for everybody it doesn't matter that I think it's like 14 percent of people like their jobs who says you can't be in the 14 percent and who says that those percentages can't change over time if people start to know that they can actually do work that they love right I'm just saying question everything yeah (laughs) no it's so it's so true and you you should question everything you should like I think it's important that we always recognize too, like what we're not, what, what is it? What we're not changing, we're choosing. And, mm-hmm. and we can, you know, very easily have that learned helplessness come about, even if it's from something that's really reasonable. Like what I love about this topic is we're not talking about like, oh, you got a flat tire and you were late to work and your boss is upset. Like, this is like, we're talking about chronic illness. We're talking about like ancestral, 
you know, patterns that you get inherited. We're talking about finances. Like these are, you know, heavy cards to be dealt, but the reality Mm -hmm. is that you can be dealt those things and still, you know, make the choice to better your situation. And I think it shows up in a lot of different ways. And, um, you know, I think what I love to, and I'm going to say a little bit of this, but then we'll come back to it. But what I love too, in the book that you mentioned is like in the topic of self-care, for example, and what that really means and looks like. So not only, you know, the, the looking good externally and how that, you know, may feel good. You know, they even say like, if you're working from home, like getting dressed for work can help to change your mood and you'll Mm -hmm. show up and carry yourself differently. Um, but this very real, like reality of folks thinking that self-care just means getting my nails done, which it, does mean doing these things that make you feel good. Maybe that's going for a walk, but that also means doing the really hard things. Um, and so like you're talking about like self-care could be, okay, what really weighs on my heart is my finances. So self-care mm-hmm. could look like, okay, I have my monthly financial planning, you know, planner conversation or sure. things like that. So I'd love to know, like from you, you know, what advice you would have for others of like differentiating what is looking good, feeling good, how to kind of pinpoint what's like an appropriate path of self-care. Yeah. I mean, I think what's coming to me is like, it's actually an exercise that we teach in IGC. It's called the needs inventory. And it's basically like writing down everything that you need. For me that this, this was like at the beginning of my self-help coaching you know, figuring out what was going on with me journey. This was like very, very difficult for me. So if you're like, that sounds hard, it's okay. Just stick with us for a second here. But it's like right out, you know, what are the things that you need? Like I need to feel beautiful. I need to feel healthy. I need to get a massage once a month. I need to have my nails done because if I don't, I like not them from anxiety. Like I need medication or I need vitamins or I need to take a bath once a week or, you know, I need to have open communication with my partner. I need to be able to speak openly with my boss. Like, what are all the things that just like you as a human need? Mm. And I think that like the thing that's usually blocking it, like if you can't see what you need, it's often because you feel like you shouldn't need it or someone has told you that like you're too needy or like there's some kind of idea that like you shouldn't need that much Mm -hmm. and I just call complete bs on that because I think that we need a lot I think that we're dynamic human beings I think we have big purposes on the planet I think that it's okay to need or to want or whatever you want to call it more than like you know you think other people need or want. The truth is you have no idea what's going on with other people. So all you can do is focus on yourself. You know, maybe you need to um, write out your feelings. Maybe you need to have a therapist. Maybe you need, and then here's the other thing. Your needs are constantly changing and in flux. Like there was a time where like I was seeing my therapist twice a week. And then there was a time that I was like, I actually need to like not do this anymore. <laughs> like I need to like not stir in all my shit right. once a week or twice a week or ever for a mm. while. Right. And so like, you know, and then there's certain vitamins I'm taking at a certain time and then other ones and I've been on medication and mm. other times I've not been on medication. Right. Not that like you should be changing your regimen if you're working with a doctor or anything like that, but you know, you, you, in many scenarios need to have guidance and partnership around these things, but it's about setting your standards and setting your standards high, setting your standards where they belong. Right. So like, I need a doctor. No, I need a doctor who understands me. I needed a doctor who understands the journey that I've been through. I need a doctor who listens, right. I need a partner. No, you don't just need any partner. That was the mistake that I made. Like quite a few times, like you need a partner who what, mm-hmm. right? So like, what exactly do you need? And then what flavor of it do you need? And I think that like, that is fundamentally self-care. It's literally just like caring about yourself, mm-hmm. caring about yourself enough to sit down with yourself or do it with a friend and help each other dig these things out. But like caring about yourself enough to ask yourself, 
what do you need? I still do it to myself all the time. Like, I feel like I'm running on fumes right now with like wedding planning and changes at work and like just all the things. And I'm like, oh, like Katie, like, what do you need today? Mm. You know, what do you need to like get through the day or what do you need to have a good day or what do you need? And then it makes me a better communicator to my business partner. It makes me a better communicator to my home partner, you know, my fiance, like to my family. And I think that a lot of us are not good at saying what we need because most people are not asked that mm. we're just given things or not given things. And, um, and I think that's why a lot of us carry kind of anger or resentment that just kind of is always bubbling under the surface, but there's a solution for that. Mm. Yeah. This self-check-in is so key. And it's definitely something that it took me personally, even years to learn, I think as a woman and being very independent, because some of that, that caring for the self is asking for support or asking for support from others. Um, you know, mm. it, it, it amazes me. Like I, you know, I, I have a friend that, you know, we were at a retreat and they had a headache and they asked someone for Tylenol and it was fine. It was fine. She gave her some Tylenol. And then the next day she had a headache again. And I was like, why don't you ask, you know, so-and-so for Tylenol again? And it was like, no, 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 no. I can't possibly do that. And so it's amazing that like, sometimes we'll reject our needs, what we're really needing um, either. Cause we're kind of like, okay, well, I'm just going to be kind of checked out today in this, in this retreat. And that just is what it is. And that's like my identity today to like, not be fully engaged or to not engage with people and talk to them or just mm -hmm. that fear of asking for support and really honoring what we need. And I think too, what right. you're saying, like a lot of it is, at, is looking like also like your body, like what does my body need today? And I, right. I'm a big fan of like your body never lies. That's something mm -hmm. I've learned and taught. And like those check-ins, I think will start to feel like, you know, internally, like, what is it that I actually need today? Maybe like getting my nails done is just going to feel like a chore than like mm -hmm. a moment of self-care. Maybe what I actually need is to, you know, call my boss and, you know, let her know that I need more support on this project. And I think a lot of like, what folks like we kind of gloss over is like self-care seems it can be presented in such a superficial way and one of the things I loved in your book that you pointed out was like it doesn't matter how much spiritual work or personal development work or any of those things that you've done like you still need to feel the the pain or be do the hard work and sometimes that in and of itself like you said like therapy it's not exactly a walk in the park all the time like no, but here's the thing, Jenna, it like kind of hurts either way, right? Like it hurts to do the work and it hurts to not do the work, but like it, it, you know, it's sort of like working out, like it's it, like working out sucks. I think I'm not someone who's like, yay, work out, <laughs> like, but I work out pretty much every day mm -hmm. and I do it because I feel better afterwards. And so like, it sucks to work out, but it also sucks to like not work out and not move my body. I personally like still deal with some um, like, uh, you know, after effects of being sick for so long. And if I don't exercise, I actually experience more pain. Right. And if I don't take my vitamins or if I don't like stay on, like I eat a pretty clean diet. Like if I don't do that, like I feel it. And so that's going to happen. But for me, it's about like knowing what I need and then getting back to what I need as quickly as I can you know, without putting undue pressure on myself to have things be so perfect. I, I'm, I try not to be a rigid person, but, um, I do have pretty good, you know, built pretty good self-control and self-confidence. Like I'm very confident in the choices that I make because I know that they produce a certain result. Mm. And like, you know, there's also another saying that like, you know, today's choices are tomorrow's results, right? or today's results are yesterday's choices. Mm -hmm. And so you're not going to see the effects of your good choices right away, typically. But, you know, it, it's like, either way, like, it, there's, there's challenge, right? It hurts to be in pain. And then it hurts to go face it and go to therapy. It hurts to fight with your partner every day. And it hurts to go to couples therapy and, and go walk that journey. Right. But I think this is the life coach. These are the life coaches in us that are like, just mm -hmm. go through. Right. So like, 
just power through let's go <laughs> like yeah like just do the hard stuff yeah. because that's going to get you the results that you actually want in your life mm-hmm Wow. I love that. Cause it's just like kind of two sides of the same coin and there's a choice that we get to make and which side we want to experience and ultimately what that leads to making that choice of that type of, of pain or experience that we want to have. Um, so right. I think that's like such a good example the working out for sure. I'm with you. I'm like, well, every day I'm like, do I have to, but I'm like, yes, I do. Because the, what you feel after a week of not working out, what I feel after a week of not working out is not worth not just doing the thing, you know, spending those 45 minutes to just get it done. Um, 100%. So I totally resonate with that. And I love this like needs inventory and just the, the, the need and the ability to know that we have at any point in time, you know, we can make the space for ourselves to stop and say, Hey, what is it I actually need today? What is it I need this week, this month, this year? What was it I need more from my partner and looking at all of those different, like that list of inven- that inventory list, I should say, um, I think is like really key and keeping that nearby too. Like, I love that, like having that go-to kind mm-hmm. of list of what can I do in the next 30 minutes to like, make me feel better or like shift my mood or show myself some love. Yeah. You can turn it into like a chart, right. Where you're like, where you're like, what, you know, what do I need on a monthly basis? What do I need on a weekly basis? What do I need on a daily basis? And like, maybe it's like daily, it's you're drinking the water daily. You're like talking to a friend daily. You're like, you know, getting dressed in the morning. Like it's also this like examination of, um, the connection between like doing and feeling like what, what do we do? What action do we take that creates the feeling or what feeling do we desire? And then backtracking to say like, well, what could I do to create that feeling? And also just being really aware of, you know, input and output, because Mm -hmm. that's what life is. It's like, when I do this, I experience this. When I do this, I experience this. And it's usually not the doing we're so focused on, or we're so connected to we're connected to the result you know the feeling a certain way or the having a certain thing or whatever but that comes from an action that supersedes the result Mm, yes that's so true a lot of it is like the result we're looking for is actually like a way of being and and a feeling or an emotion or that general experience necessarily than like the tangible thing sometimes and I love the idea of a chart. I feel like we need to get a template of this, like yes. <laughs> ready for download because that's such a great idea. Um, and it does, you know, just tying back into like our, our topic of looking good. I think it's, you know, to me, like a lot of the takeaways from your book and also just our conversation today is, is that on one hand, we don't know what other people are going through. And like, just because mm-hmm. the appearance of one mm-hmm means that doesn't mean everything and to like really be kind and to be um, really receptive to the people's realities when they share them, um, giving them the benefit of the right. doubt in that way. But also what you're saying about, um, you know, the things that we can do to look and feel good and how feeling good is also going to radiate into looking good. Um, not, you know, in the traditional sense, but just your energy and your aura and your, um, how you're showing up in the world too. Absolutely. I They're so it. connected. So connected. And, and the learning to go through what you go through too, you know, it's, it's to me, that really is like that light in the dark kind of um, imagery is what it makes me think of. And just like how we can show up as like the contrast and that light when we're going through these yeah. hard times, that's just, um, yeah, it's just so important and knowing that we have that power too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm so grateful that, you know, you could come on and talk about your book. It's seriously, it's so well done. I'm like, I mean, I've, I've worked with you in the past, so I'm already like impressed by who you be as a, as a businesswoman and everything, but, um, (laughs) yeah, your story is so inspirational and, um, I think it just has like a really great message and it's an easy read. Like I, and like a very engaging read, I should say, like I was on, I was on my flight, like four hours straight reading. (laughs) 
Um, oh, that makes me happy. Yeah, it was, it was excellent. Um, so where can people find your book and find you? So the easiest place to get the book is just on Amazon. You can type in, at least you look good and it will come up or you can type in my name, Katie DePaula, but I feel like at least you look good is easier to spell. Um, <laughs> and then you can find me on Instagram at it's Katie DePaula. I also encourage you to follow at inner glow circle which is our company. And um, you can go to innerglowcircle.com. There's a lot of free resources there. We talk a lot about, um, you know, this whole idea of learning to glow through what you go through. And most of the women that come through IGC have been through something significant in their lives. They've, you know, walked um, through fires to be able to get to where they are. And it's really, it's really exciting and inspiring to see those journeys. But I think that it also, as a student, is encouraging to be around women who are equally as motivated to change their own circumstances. But the, the icing on the cake with IGC is that the women are, that, that IGC attracts are actually very committed to, to making a difference. And one of our core values is to change lives that change other lives and just recognizing this domino effect of coaching is so cool too. So go to interglowcircle.com and poke around. There's a ton of free classes and free workshops and resources that um, I think you would really get a lot of benefit out of. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking as someone who's gone through the, the coaching certification program, I definitely can't recommend it enough. It's, it's a great community. It's great resources. Um, you learn a lot about yourself, not just like the logistics of, you know, coaching or whatever the thing that you might be signing up for. So I just, I love what you guys have created. And like you said, that domino effect is so important. Like that's really how we create, um, you know, systemic change in the world and positivity um, through, yeah. through creating these types of programs and engaging in them and recommending other people to do it. So thanks for creating that for the world. <laughs> Thanks, Jenna. Thanks for changing lives that change other lives. And thanks for having me today. Thank you so much for being a part of the council today. You can share this episode and tag me on Instagram at the DJ Genesis. That's the DJ, J-E-N-E-S-I-S. Or on Facebook at, at the council pod. Make sure to leave a review and subscribe. And if you'd like to share your takeaways or what you'd like to see, you can email us at hello at the council pod.